Right, we pick up in this next session, second session on this uh, prophetic message that God gave through Ezekiel to the leaders that applies to us today. And I want to pick up on those things again that we, we started to touch on, things to avoid, first of all. The first one I said was exploitation. And you find that in Ezekiel chapter 34. And I'm going to just uh, try to read that, a little of that um, quickly to you. Uh, uh, again, verses 2 and 3, it says this. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who, first of all, only take care of themselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool and slaughter the, the choice animals, but you've not taken care of my flock. Looking at these scriptures, this passage through New Testament eyes, we know that these are God's own people. They belong to him. They've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. They blood washed, blood bought. They're his own possession. And so we need to understand that what we do to the sheep, we actually do to Jesus. You say, Dudley, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, if you were to read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through to 5, when Paul gets converted on his, road to, uh, way, uh, on his way to, to Damascus, you remember he sees a light, he falls to the ground, and then he hears God say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Paul didn't know Jesus. He had never seen him, but he was persecuting the church. That's what it says he was on his way to do, to persecute the church. When you persecute the church, what you do to the church, you're doing to Jesus. You can see the same thing in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, when Jesus says about the sheep and the goats. They say to him, when did we not visit you in prison? When did we not give you water? When did we not clothe you or feed you? And he said, for as much as you did not do it for them, you did not do it for me. When you did it for them, you did it to me. Read it for yourself. So what we do, how we treat the church is what we're really doing against Jesus. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that, but it's very, very serious. And so we've got to understand God wants us to avoid, stop it in any shape, form or size. Stop it right now while I'm preaching. Oh God, just say in your heart, God, where I've let this slip into my life in any way and forgive me. I have exploited your people, forgive me. And then the second one is neglect, not only exploitation, but neglect. He says this in verse 34 of Ezekiel 34. He says, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. So let me just stop there for a moment before we read on. He says this, you neglect. How? By not fulfilling what God has called you to be and to do towards his flock. He says you've not strengthened or built them up. How do we strengthen or build up? Now, I'm jumping ahead uh, to things we should be doing. So I'll touch this again later. But let me just say that we, we, we would, when we're not strengthening them or building them up, it's because we're not using the word of God in our teaching and our preaching and our counsel. 
we, we neglect people when we're not available to them. In other words, accessible to them. You've heard me say before, if you've been listening to some of these messages, that it is so hard to get a hold of a pastor. You phone them, you leave a message, they say they'll call you back. They do sometimes days later, and some never, never call you back, ever. This is neglect. We need to become available. Thirdly, not only do we strengthen them through the Word of God in our preaching, our teaching, our counsel, uh, but all, and our availability or accessibility to them, but thirdly, through prayer. We can strengthen and build up people through prayer. We strengthen them by the Word of God, yes, we strengthen them also through prayer, praying for them, holding them before God by, at the throne by name. You know, I, I, I get it. Thrilled by this, in John 10, 3, it says, Jesus, the good shepherd, he calls his sheep by name. <laughs> Dudley, he's saying, Father, there's Dudley. Father, whatever your name is. Father, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He wants us to join him. He's the yes and we need to be the amen to his prayers and our prayers. By prayer, holding them before the throne of God. God bless Mr. and Mrs. Brown. God bless Mr. Jones. God bless Mr. whatever his name is, or Mrs. or Miss, or whatever it may be. God bless them. Pray for them by name. Hold them before the throne of God, the throne of grace, day by day. We, fourthly, we strengthen them also by example, by the way we live, by the way we function, by the way we treat others, by the way we serve by the way we leave, by the way we submit to others on our leadership team. All of this strengthens when they see they do it, I can do it. They're not just telling us, they're doing it, they're living it. And then he goes on, he says, not only that you've not strengthened or built them up, but he says you've not healed the sick. That's the spiritually, emotion, the spiritually sick, the emotionally sick, the physically sick, the relationally sick. Whatever the case may be, there's so much sickness around today and God wants us to heal the sick. Yes, we can lay hands on them. The elders are called, uh, can be called and they can anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. For all believers, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But it's beyond that. Marriages that are sick. Relationships that are broken and sick. And we need to be asking God for keys. Keys to the problems that people are facing. Father, what is the problem with this man? Show me by revelation of the Spirit of God how I can help him or help her to come out of this. And God will give us words of knowledge and words of insight. He give us wisdom and anointing whatever else we need. Then he goes on thirdly and says, not only that you've not strengthened or built them up, that you've not healed the sick, but you've also not bound up the injured, the hurting, the grieving, the messed up, the failures. Those have given up on themselves and others have given up on them. We need to bring them words of encouragement. We need to stand with them. Sometimes we need to just give them a squeeze and say, God's with you, but we need to encourage through the Word of God. The Word of God brings encouragement more than anything else. 
when it's energized by the Spirit of God. And so if you've been in the place of prayer, you can trust God to energize. Energize the words of encouragement that you, you give. And remember this, that God says, my word shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that for which I've purposed it. You can encourage them to say that God picks up failures. Peter failed, denied the Lord three times. And God said, tell my disciples and Peter. Encourage them. God never gives up on us. And ensure them that you've got their backs. You're there for them. And then he says, fourthly, you've not brought back the strays. In other words, those who've lost their way, the somehow or the other, life's problems, disillusionment, betrayals, they've just caused them to wander away, become disillusioned with the church, with pastors, with people, and even with life. God says, woe to the shepherds who do not bring back the strays. Don't give up on people. Persevere. Push on, press in, be available, keep praying, bring back the strays. And then he says, fifthly, you've not searched for the lost. Now, I'm sure that this can refer to people that have lost their way. But I, I, I believe the scriptures also teaches that we must never lose our heart for evangelism, for seeing people come to Christ, expecting people to come to Christ, looking for ways to influence and impact them, looking for ways to equip the flock that God's entrusted to us to become better in evangelism, soul winning, bringing people to Christ. The lost being one effectively and becoming effective. So that we just cover exploitation, we've covered neglect. I wish we could do say more and there's so much more to be said. But the third thing he says that we're to avoid is abusing the sheep. In other words, in this context here, if you look at verse chapter 34 of Ezekiel in the fourth verse, the last little part of it says, you have ruled them harshly and brutally. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. How does that happen? Well, just some of the things that I think that sometimes we don't think of, just our expectations of people. We put upon them an expectation that they can't come up with. And when they fail, we avoid them or we give them the cold short shoulder or there's some body language that tells them, well, I'm not impressed with you. You're going to have to sh sh shape up if you want me to trust you again. It's that pious. That's ruling harshly, avoiding them, withdrawing from them, sulking. All of this is ruling harshly. It's telling people, I'm not impressed with you. What about how you preach to them? Do you preach to them as if they're really precious? Do you preach giving hope? Now, I'm not talking about preaching in a way that avoids confronting sin and, 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 and the things that God is against. But we need to preach with hope that people know you love them. You, you for them. Don't be harsh with God's people. I, so many preachers are developing this thing of shouting from start to finish. Their whole message is just shout, shout, shout. 
And I think they think that they're more powerful, more effective. And some people are impressed by that. But what's it saying to the congregation? I've said this so many times in the past that sometimes I get tired of saying it myself. But I remember the story. Apparently it's a true story. A little girl saying, why is God so angry with us? Saying this to the to her mother while they were sitting in the church meeting. And the mother said, what do you mean? She said, well, why is this man shouting at us, saying this is God speaking to us? Why is God so angry with us all? Don't rule God's people harshly. When they fail, be gracious to them, gentle with them. Look at the Galatians 6, the first four verses. Restore them gently when they fail. I believe that we rule harshly when we're manipulative and controlling, when we're always trying to get our own way, even when our way isn't necessarily God's way. It's just our preference. It's not God's word. So I want to ask you this question before I go to the next thing that we need to avoid is, are you controlling? Does your ministry style kind of portray dictatorship like a slave master ask God just oh God help me and my team the team I'm part of help us not to abuse the sheep in any way shape or form and then fourthly not only there are uh, um, there are we to avoid exploitation and neglect and uh, abusing the sheep but we need to avoid not committing ourselves to protect the sheep. Ezekiel 34 verse 5 says they became food for all the wild animals. And Paul says in Acts 20, talking to these elders, he says, I know that even from your own midst, wolves, savage wolves are going to come against you. And, and we're warned in the scriptures that the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking who he can devour. We need to protect God's people. And, and once again, we protect them through prayer. But we also protect them by keeping the wolves at bay. If we see wolves being raised up in our own midst, we don't just keep quiet. We deal with it. We confront them. We do what the scripture tells us. To mark a divisive man. Warn him once, warn him twice, and after that have nothing to do with him, even if he's an elder. We cannot allow people to get away with it. So we need to protect them through prayer, through truth, because only truth sets people free, by keeping the wolves away from them, keeping divisive people away from them, de dealing with them. And then we'll look at that again later. And then the fifth thing that we're to avoid is that this is what the result of those first four things are, but we've got to avoid this, is scattering the sheep. And then they become prey for the enemy. As I said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the, the devil like a roaring lion seeking to devour them. Read Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31. Read John chapter 10, verses 7 through to 15. When you scatter the sheep, the sheep, when you uh, uh, hurt the shepherds, you scatter the sheep. But here's another thing I want to just remind you of, just something that I feel like God wants you to understand. 
that when you try to get sheep's loyalties, their, uh, what's the word I want, um, their allegiance to yourself, when you try to draw them, not to Christ and towards the eldership and its togetherness and the body that they're in, but when you try to lure them away to yourself, get their allegiance and their loyalty, their commitment to you, for yourself, and then you break away and you start your own thing. You're scattering the sheep. I've seen this so many times. I've seen individuals being drawn away. I've seen churches being drawn away, getting allegiance, loyalty, and then off they go and they start their own little church or their own little movement. You're scattering the sheep and God says, woe to the shepherds who do these things. Prophesy against them. Well, that's just something of what we're to avoid. Now, let's have a look quickly at what we should, the important things that we should be doing. In other words, shepherding God's way. And I want to just uh, ask you to, to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. Sorry, I just want to try and get there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I love these letters of Paul to, the, uh, to these young apostle apostolic men. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and just this one verse in verse 16, it says this. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now that's such an important scripture because we want to look at what the scripture says that God has provided for us if we take the scriptures, do it the scriptural way, how God will bless us. You can have a look at 2 Peter 5 verse 1 through to 4 and Acts chapter 20 verse 28. But here are some of the things that has to how we can take care of the sheep through ongoing prayer, through ongoing encouragement, through being available, through the Word of God and our preaching, our praying, our counsel and our guidance, through our availability, through keeping wolves away as we spent some time there. But let me just say this, keeping the wolves away out of the pulpit, if you know that a person is a, a wolf because they don't care for the sheep, they're trying to draw people to themselves and use people, exploit them, keep them out of the pulpits, no matter how powerful their ministries may seem, no matter how, what it looks like, signs, wonders and miracles seem to be happening through their lives. Keep your sheep protected. Take care of them by not allowing those people into the pulpits. Remember that only truth sets people free, nothing else. Make sure that what you say is true and teach them how to recognize a stranger's voice, as Jesus spoke about in John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, that they will not uh, know a stranger's voice. They'll recognize my voice, his voice, how, when we use the Word of God honorably, honestly, with integrity, in its context, 
not manipulating, doing uh, linguistic gymnastics with, with Bible texts, making them mean all sorts of things that they don't. So we need to be doing that in taking care for the sheep. Biblical disciplining takes care of the sheep. We have to discipline from time to time, just like any father that loves his kids has to discipline from time to time. But use the word of God. The Matthew 18, 15 to 19. Go first to your brother. Then to take witnesses. After that, bring it to the church. None of this gossiping, whispering, spreading rumors. So many rumors. The body of Christ is full of false information. Fake news, as they say. Fake messages. Biblical disciplining. Matthew 18, 15 to 19, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Have a look at those scriptures for yourself. I'm looking at the clock and saying, how can I read these things? I wish we could. By strengthening them, secondly, it's not only that we take care of the sheep, but we're also to strengthen them, as Ezekiel tells us. And I shared some of that with you. Time's just going too quickly now. By bringing healing to the sick, thirdly, by binding up the injured by restoring the strays and seeking the lost. But I want to add to that, by ruling, governing God's way. God's way of rulership is leaders first and the sheep follow. That what I want them to do, I'm willing to do myself. I lead the way. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me, Jesus said in John chapter 10. Hebrews 13, 7 and 17 tells us we're to imitate the faith of our leaders, to obey them. Those that lead us. So go ahead of them in a way that enables them to follow. But secondly, in this ruling, governing God's way, by only requiring of them what's in God's word, what God's word requires, not adding to or taking away from God's word. Only what God's word says, but all of what God's word says. The 1 Timothy 5.17 type leadership. The elders that rule well are worthy of double honor. So rule, govern God's way. And then also, eighthly, by tending them in good pastures where they can be fed, refreshed, rest, feed, good food, green grass, good grazing land, and good pastures is what Ezekiel 34 verses 11 to 16 tells us. Read it for yourself again. But giving them good food, strong food. Yes, milk, meat, green grass, bread, fresh bread. Where you've waited upon God, sought Him. You know that the Spirit of God's in you. He's empowering you. Feed them on good grass. Take them to places where they can find rest in Him through the Word of God by the power of the Spirit of God. And then I want us to go back to the book of Ezekiel because we didn't read, we left out quite a lot of that and we'll have to leave out some more of it still, unfortunately. But it says this in Ezekiel 34. I'm going to pick up in verse 17 to 24 because this is still part of how, what we should be doing. We looked at things to avoid, but now we're looking at things we must embrace and do that are very important. 
And it says this in verse 17. Will you read this with me, please? As for you, my flock, this is after God says, I will be their shepherd. If you won't do it, I'll do it. But woe to you. So this is not an excuse. But he says this, as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your, of your pasture with your feet? Now he's speaking to the sheep, not the shepherds anymore. Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend, uh, he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, I wish we could read even more right through to the end of that portion, but just a few things I want to touch here. We need to teach the sheep how to love and care for one another. This includes and starts with bringing them under Christ's Lordship. As he said in Ezekiel 34, 23-24, I'll bring them under David, one shepherd. We know that's Jesus. He's the one that we bring them under, His Lordship. If we don't bring people under the Lordship of Christ by our teaching and by our lifestyle, we are, we're not doing what God wants. So that's where it starts. And all of these scriptures are about, all the scriptures that are in, throughout the rest of the Bible, I'm only going to pick on just a few of them, but the teach, we're to honor one another in the body of Christ. Don't butt one another. Don't trample, don't mess up people's lives. Don't mess up the hope that's being restored slowly. Don't mess up people's lives. Honor one another by being in unity, being like-minded, like-hearted. We're one in mind and heart. By taking up your cross daily, denying yourself. We've got to teach the people how to do this, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and to follow him. By not thinking of ourselves, but of, but of others. By what's taught in Ephesians chapter 4. And I look and I cannot do this now. It's 27 minutes gone. Ephesians 4, 12 to 16. Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through to 18. Look at those scriptures too. By bearing one another's burdens as well. By being quick to forgive and to be forgiven. Well, I'm going to have to finish off there. Maybe we can pick up on that point in this next session. God bless you guys. Good shepherding. Good believing. Good relating. God bless these people with a blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow, but that always glorifies your Son and my Lord and my Saviour, ours, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless.